Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It's happening whether or not you want to believe it. What is it that's happening? Well, the new world order is being established even as we speak. Over there in Dubai, over there in Dubai this week... They're meeting the World Economic Forum founder, Klaus Schwab, telling the World Government Summit, quote, history is truly at a turning point, unquote. With economic instability, conflict between major global powers, and the coming fourth industrial revolution. In a short address that he delivered virtually to the World Government Summit in Dubai on Tuesday, Klaus Schwab said there will be a systemic and structural change that the global supply chains, energy, and food systems will be deeply affected. History is turning truly at a turning point, he said. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. As always, it's a conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, or at least should be talk that transforms, it should have a transforming implication, application for each one of us. There isn't a program that we do that doesn't have some implication or applicational transformation built into it. That's why we're on the air. We're not on the air to titillate sensibilities. We're not on the air here to merely inform of uh, things that are developing in our world, but rather to transform, and that by applying the Word of God to the issues of our time. And today, indeed, we do that again. You know, we were told back in 1950, a fellow by the name of James Paul Wardberg delivered an address to the United States Senate. He said, we will have world government, whether you want it or not. You'll either have it by agreement or by force. Yeah. 1950. And then again, of course, in 1990, President H. Her- George Herbert Walker Bush, President 41, declared before Congress that uh, uh, we are preparing for a new world order. In fact, it was the first time an American president had ever used those words in public. And then over 200 times during his administration, he repeated the words. It caught a lot of people by surprise. But not the globalists, not the people who had been anticipating that for a very, very long time, including his entire family, the Bush family, all of whom were globalists, including George W. Bush, his son. And so, unbeknownst to the American people, a driving force was taking place below the surface to prepare not only America and Americans, but the whole world for a completely new concept of world government. It's called the New World Order. 
It's not called a new world order. It's called the new world order. And it used the definite article, the, as opposed to a, because, quite frankly, this is seen as the ultimate. This is seen as the ultimate or final world government. In other words, we will have achieved utopia. We will have achieved what humankind can finally do to demonstrate our ability to rule ourselves, to save the planet, to save ourselves without God. That's really what it's all about. If we distill it all into a a sincere and simple little phrase, that's what it's all about. In my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, we have a chapter called Globalism, the Anti-Gospel. Indeed, the spirit of globalism is the spirit of Babel and of Babylon, the spirit of the building of the Tower of Babel, back there in Genesis chapter 11, that God said he hated. In fact, he hated it so much, it was totally contrary to his word, his will, and his ways, that he decided, I'm going to confound their language so that they can't continue to build. And he did just that. Because God had said, look, After the flood, I want you to disperse throughout all of the area of the world to all of the nations, but humankind under a fellow by the name of Nimrod, whose name basically means rebellion, decided, no, we don't want to do that. We want to gather together. We want to do, we don't want to do what God asks us to do. We want to just gather together. We're going to build a system. We're going to build a tower that will reach unto heaven. We will save ourselves. God said no. But humankind ever since have been trying to do that. Oftentimes, those efforts have been regional efforts that were intended ultimately to rule the world. But now... With technology and transportation and uh, all of these other things that are available to us, humankind believes that it is possible to build a one-world order or a one-world government. Now, the question is, what power is going to prevail in building such a government, and from where will it rule? And that is the subject of my book, King of the Mountain. The epic, eternal, and end-time battle, for it is said that he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. That was the subject of that book. And if you have not read it, it's going to be very difficult for you to understand or comprehend the greater movement of the nations, historically and prophetically, that has set us at this stage, at this unique moment in human history, that Klaus Schwab is now calling... an ultimate or unique moment, a turning point in history. History, he said, is truly at a turning point, and global energy and food systems will be deeply affected. Really? Global energy and food systems deeply affected? Well, we already see the energy. We'll look further at that today and what's happening. But how about food? We didn't really realize. It didn't kind of come home to roost to us that 
as a result of the Russian attack on Ukraine or the West attack on Russia through Ukraine by drawing it into NATO that the world would suffer horrifically. Just how horrifically might that be? We're going to talk about that here on Viewpoint Today, and the documents are right in my hands. We don't ever talk about things here on Viewpoint that cannot be uh, supported, uh, both biblically and supported uh, through documentation. This is not a matter of speculation. It's a matter of revealing what is really going on so that you and I can adjust our attitudes, adjust our actions uh, accordingly. That is, accordingly to the word, will, and ways of the Lord. That's where the transformation takes place. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, friends. We have just barely scratched the surface so far. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Today, we look at not only the development of the New World Order, but we also look at the repercussions of the development of this New World Order and how it is being established. You're not going to want to hear it, but you need to. You're not going to want to hear it, but you need to. We all need to. We need to understand what is really going on. And hopefully today will be of some help in that regard. The prophet Daniel told us about this uh, final great empire that would be, would seem to be an expression of the ancient Roman Empire. He had seen this great colossus, beginning with uh, Babylon, and uh, then also with the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire, and then finally the Roman Empire that actually has never died and uh, ended up being distributed uh, through the nations of the world that are now referred to as the Western nations that are included in NATO and the EU and uh, also the Americas. This is the resurrected and resurrecting Roman Empire. Among that, he talks about the fourth beast, that is, this great Roman Empire, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful. And there were ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. And Daniel said, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Until... The Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. The time of that the saints possessed the kingdom. Then the Lord said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces.' 
And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings, or authorities, that shall arise. And another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of a time. In other words, three and a half years. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given then to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Well, eventually they shall. But until then, there are going to be a whole lot of troubling things that are going to take place. Like, these ten horns, or kings, or rulers, or authorities, that shall arise in this resurrecting Roman Empire, and another shall arise after them, and he'll subdue three of the kings, and he'll speak great words against the Most High, against God, shall wear out the saints, and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of a time, three and a half years. Now, much speculation has gone into uh, those kings, the ten authorities or powers. When the EU was first formed, there were ten nations, so, so it was suspected that, well, that is, it's the EU and the ten nations. Well, we have NATO now, we have the EU, we have NATO, and uh, now, in addition to that, we have this, res- this, this new world empire, new world order that is being created right in front of our eyes. We can't deny it anymore. I've had a few people who have responded saying, you know, uh, Chuck, why would you talk about that? Because uh, that's just conspiracy theory. No, it's not conspiracy theory at all. It's truth. It's fact. I'm reading from you the reports in the news from various sources, all of them. This is what's happening right now, my friend, and you cannot play pretend anymore. You can't put your hand over your face and say, look, God, you can't see me. You can't play pretend You can't call it conspiracy theory because it's not conspiracy theory. It is absolute truth. Now, the question is, what do we do with that absolute truth? The facts. We're not going to be like Joe Biden, who said, I believe in truth and not facts. What he means by that, by truth, is my feelings that line up with my agenda. We're not here to do that. We're here to line up with God's agenda, with God's viewpoint. And viewpoint determines destiny. So from there we shift to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, uh, beginning in chapter uh, 6, we read about the Lamb, that is Christ, opening one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. Now, we're talking now about the six of the seals in order. I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, 
I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. Uh, By the way, are you experiencing peace right now in the earth? I don't think so. Are you experiencing this spirit of conquering that the uh, nations are going out to conquer one another now? Absolutely. That's what's going on. Verse 5. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand, and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see that you do not hurt the oil and the wine. All right? This is conceived to be, perceived to be, understood to be, the promise of famine in the earth. So we have conquering of nations. We have peace being removed from the earth. And then we have famine. Next. And finally, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed after him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. All right. So now there it is like a reinforcing of all of the previous seals and their prophecies that are now coming together in a collective force so that a fourth part of the earth will be involved to kill with the sword and with hunger or famine and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Now, that's not all pleasant to look at, is it? But God, in his love and in his mercy, said, you must. In fact, if you go back to the book, beginning of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, it says, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Question, is the time at hand? Now, I'm not talking about days and hours. I'm talking about a season. Is this the season? More and more people are convinced this is indeed the season. And the more we go on with the reinforcing facts that I'm going to share with you here today on Viewpoint, you will most likely be convinced. Indeed, it is absolutely the season. But what can we expect? That's what Revelation chapter 6 tells us. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them that were martyrs, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed or martyred as they were should be fulfilled. Now, this is not the end of the story, see. 
If you were to read the book of Hebrews, you would find in chapter 11 of Hebrews, that great faith chapter, a very interesting phrase. It's quite interesting, and you never hear anybody really talk about it. They read all about Noah and uh, Abraham and Moses and all those great faith people. But then comes this. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Then come these words that are almost never read. And there's a reason why they're not read, because they don't go along with the marketing message of Christianity. Others had trial of, of cruel mockings and scourgings, yes, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in sunder, were attempted, excuse me, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Now, here's what I want to point out. All these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They were martyred. They went through horrific persecutions. But they hadn't received the promise. Because the story or God's narrative was not over. Here's what it says. God, having provided a better thing for us, that they that went through these things without us should not be made perfect. In other words, you and I today, on the near edge of the second coming, in this final season of world history, that Klaus Schwab has already called a major turning point for the world. He said history is truly at a turning point. We're going to find out what he means by that in a few moments. But for now, we realize that God's narrative or story is not finished without you and me. The story or history of faith is not finished yet. Meaning, as the book of Revelation says, there yet are those who also will have to undergo great persecution. Like their fellow servants in the past. So that the completion of God's story will come into final perspective. Now, from that point, we hear these words. Verse 12, Revelation chapter 6. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when shaken with a mighty wind. 
and they haven't departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, did you know, friends, that this passage was foretold by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos, the prophet Zechariah, they use some of this exact same language. How did they know that? Because God revealed it. And the if you watch the trajectory of God's word, you see how it connects. This is really big. This is bigger than you might imagine. And then we're going to find... As we move to verse 15 of chapter 6 of the book of Revelation, what is really going to take place? It's a great turning point of world history. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A Letter to Pastors, The Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. What happens in the second half of this program today is critical to your understanding, to all of our understanding concerned the times we're in and how you and I should be, what we should be expecting and how to face them. I hope you understand that. What we've done in the first half of the program here is laid a foundation, much like an attorney would give an opening statement to a jury and would begin to lay out the evidentiary and testimonial facts before the jury until such time as the attorney begins to shift to bring to the jury's mind and heart the real reason why all those facts and testimonies were given. First you lay out the purpose, the intent, then you lay out what the evidence is, and then you begin to bring it to force to drive the message, the real reason why all of this is being done, into the mind and heart of the jury. And, of course, that's concluded with a final argument before the jury. Now, in Revelation chapter 6, after the... Five seals are opened that we've talked about. Comes the sixth seal. When he had opened the sixth seal, things started to get really tough. As if they had not already been tough. They had already been tough because of man's 
hatred, man's selfishness, man's pride that was bringing about violence, horrible violence upon the earth, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, ethnos against ethnos, and then peace is removed from the earth. Now, men were going to cry, peace, peace, but there will be no peace, Jeremiah said, until the prince of peace comes to rule and reign. But the prince of peace is not going to come to rule and reign until men are given the maximum opportunity to do their best to bring about world peace. Hence, the new world order. But in the process, some very hellish things are going to take place. Kingdoms are going to be trying to conquer other kingdoms. Peace will be removed from the earth in terrible violence, like it was in the day of Noah. And when the third seal was opened, then you have the uh, black horse and famine coming into uh, into the world. So you have these four beasts, and then, that is the pale horse also, and then comes the fifth seal, which is beginning to reveal that something far more significant is going to take place. And it's that which is more significant that is going to take place that we want to focus on right now. Verse 15 of chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the, th- from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? This is the first time in the book of Revelation that we hear about the wrath of God. Up until this time, it's all the wrath of man. So the manifestation of the devastation of the four horsemen is not about the wrath of God, it's about the wrath of man. But now, when all of that is over, God says, okay, I'm going to shake things up. There's going to be a massive earthquake, the likes of which the earth has never seen. And even the big-time rulers, the ones that think they've got got it made in the shade with their World Economic Forum and all of those things, they're going to run and hide. For the great day of of God's wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The prophet Malachi used similar language. He said, and who shall abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. You see, the language of the Old and New Testaments is virtually congruent. Because some of the modern translations do not preserve those words in their continuity, we miss the message. The ribbons of the threads 
and uh, the words of Scripture are lost through most of the modern translations. In trying to be cool and modern, they destroy the connectivity of the Scriptures. Now, what happens when the great day of God's wrath has come? He begins to pour out his wrath on the children of disobedience. Did he pour out his wrath when all these other people had been martyred? No, that was the wrath of man. Did God rapture all those martyrs? Who knows how many of them are? Did God rapture them before they incurred the wrath of man? No. Why didn't he? Because there's no promise in the Bible that you and I are to be excused or escape the wrath of man. You might or you might not. The only promise we are given is that we escape the wrath of God, for, as the Apostle Paul wrote, we are not appointed to wrath. What wrath? God's wrath, not man's wrath. Which means if people are not ready, they are going to try to escape the wrath of man, and in the process of escaping the wrath of man through fear of man, they will throw away their fear of the Lord and actually render themselves subject to the wrath of God. That's what's going to happen. It's a very dangerous time. Now, all of that having been established, we shift from the scriptures that have opened up these scenarios to the developments right before our eyes. These are just reports from the last two days. This thing is happening very quickly. People get ready. Jesus is coming soon. We'll be coming home. And uh, let me just encourage you if you don't already have a book a copy of the book antichrist how to identify the coming imposter uh you just might want to seriously consider it it's a 23 dollar book or 22 dollar book it's on our website saveus.org saveus.org i don't think you're going to be disappointed but you might want to put a seat belt on your chariot as you ride because it's going to be a, a challenging ride. Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, back to the report of Klaus Schwab on Tuesday. In Dubai, the World Government Summit, he said, history is truly at a turning point. With economic instability, conflict between major global powers, and the coming fourth industrial revolution that is going to cause Systemic and structural changes, global supply chain problems, energy and food systems will be deeply affected. Does that not sound like the four horsemen, my friends? 
That's why we spent that time in Revelation chapter 6 talking about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Klaus Schwab went on to say, we do know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deeply affected. The world has to overcome not only the damage done to our economies and our societies by COVID-19, which, by the way, they used to drive the world mad, crazy through fear. It also has to confront now the repercussions of a dangerous clash between major global powers. Friends, this is exactly what the uh, Apostle John wrote, the dictation of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 6. So he goes on to say, history is truly at a turning point. With all the current issues on our agenda, declared Schwab, we tend to forget that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. Now, you have to understand what he means by that. Listen to what he says. I'm proud that the government of Dubai has been so foresighted in or in establishing a center for the fourth industrial revolution in cooperation with the World Economic Forum. In times of crisis, the role of governance is more important and more relevant than ever. Last November, Schwab was in Dubai to launch the great narrative, in quotes, the great narrative as the sequel to his Great Reset Agenda that was announced in June of 2020. So he's weaving technology, society, the economy, geopolitics, and nature. And the great narrative, then, is a story that unelected globalists came up with to legitimize their technocratic makeover of society. This is what they're calling the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And the global economy, while claiming to work for the benefit of mankind... He said, it just doesn't change what we're doing. It changes who we are. Really? What does that mean? Stay tuned and you'll find out. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. What do the great the leaders of the Great Reset now being called the great narrative mean 
when they say, this isn't just changing what we're doing, it changes who we are. Would you like to know? Get a little peek into that. Well, let me share this with you. This report just came out on April Fool's Day. Maybe there's more uh, truth than poetry in that. Scientists complete decoding entire human genome. Now, on the one hand, you might say, wow, that's terrific. Well, yes, but what does it mean about how it will be used? What does it mean about the mind and the heart and the attitudes of those who are going to be taking that unbelievable information, which Francis Collins called, what did he call it? The actual uh, stamp of God, something like that. I write about that in my new book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Scientists say they have finally assembled the full genetic blueprint for human life, adding the missing pieces to a puzzle nearly completed two decades ago. An international team described the first-ever sequencing of a complete human genome, the set of instructions to build and sustain a human being. In other words, the God factor, as Francis Collins referred to it. Some of these genes that make us uniquely human were actually in the dark matter of the genome, and they were totally missed, said a University of Washington researcher. He said it took us 20-plus years, but we finally got it done. The human genome is made up of about 3.1 billion DNA subunits. Genes are strings of these lettered pairs that contain instructions for making proteins the building blocks of life. Humans have about 30,000 genes organized in 23 groups called chromosomes that are found in the nucleus of every cell. Now, I want you to think about this. Stepping back, what was the heart of the mRNA so-called vaccine or jab? What was at the heart of it? Spike proteins. Right? These were not God-designed proteins. These were human-designed proteins. These were spike proteins created as an alternative to the proteins and the immune system that God had designed in and through our DNA. Therefore, notwithstanding the early denials that the mRNA affected DNA, Later, just a month or so ago, it was revealed, unfortunately, they did. In other words, what we did, what what uh, Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson and Moderna and all of those folk, and, and Dr. Fauci and so on, what they did was to elevate man over God and say, we can do better. But in the process... They may have achieved one thing, but actually, unfortunately, reaped a whirlwind of horrific consequences that the world has yet to see as these spike proteins take over the, the bodies, the immune systems, the DNA of 
who knows what percentage of the people worldwide. Now, that having been said, this is the beginning of something really fantastic, said the researcher for the field of human genetics. Really fantastic? In what way? Becoming God? Trying to create new human beings? Or actually trying to create a technocratic human called a transhumanist that will supersede all existing humanity as we know it, thereby, in the view of the globalists, actually creating godhood. We'll save ourselves. We'll become our own messiahs. That's where it's going. And if you don't think so, if you think that's uh, conspiracy theory, you will have to wait until the end of June when my new book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, comes out. But you better anchor your seatbelt when you read it. Now, we move from there to take a look at the import of what has happened as a result of Russia's attack on Ukraine, but on the U.S.'s uh, using NATO uh, to form an attack against Russia through Ukraine. I received an email uh, from the U.K., this morning. The individual indicated to me, you must read this article. And so I printed it. And I'm going to share excerpts from this article. The individual who sent this is in the financial world. Here's the headline from zerohedge.com. Is Russia the real target of Western sanctions? Soaring oil prices, energy, and food crisis on the horizon? Is it possible the real target of this economic war is us? In other words, America and the Western world? The Russian ruble has already started recovering from the dip created by Western sanctions and is almost at pre-war levels. A researcher says sanctions were designed to collapse the value of the ruble, but they have failed. So the West does not uh, does know how to hurt Russia if it really wants to. That is by increasing oil production, flooding the market, and taking the price. But has the U.S. increased its oil production this time around? No way. Joe Biden had other ideas to prevent the development of oil and gas in this country. So right now, with the Western allies locked in an alleged economic war with Russia, the price of oil is soaring and may continue to do so. That's good news for the Russian economy. It may even make up for the damage done by the brutal sanctions. Those Western sanctions are targeting other Russian exports too, including grains and food in general. Remember the four horsemen, friends? One of them, 
famine? Russia is a net exporter of food, meaning they export more food than they import. Many countries in Western Europe rely on imported food, including the U.K., which imports over 48% of its food supply. If Europe refuses to buy Russian food, the net effect is that Russia has food and the West doesn't. Take wheat, for example, of which Russia is the biggest exporter in the world. The vast majority of this wheat is not even sold to Western countries, but instead to China and other nations. Nevertheless, the sanctions and the war have actually driven the price of wheat up almost 30%. Who benefits? The Russian economy. Meanwhile, according to CNN, the U.S. is likely to enter a full-blown recession by 2023. France is considering food vouchers, and countries all over the world are expected to begin rationing fuel. Are you hearing what's being said here? I'm not making this up. You should always be wary of anybody, individual or institution, whose actions so-called accidentally achieve the exact opposite of their stated aim. That's a simple rule to live by. Like what George Orwell described in his book, 1984. But regardless of what you feel about Putin or Zelensky, the war, or the war in general, it's time to confront the elephant in the room. What is the elephant in the room? Well, we should be asking, what exactly was the real aim of these sanctions? And how come they align so perfectly with the Great Reset? In other words, this is a, a kind of a war that was instigated in order to destabilize the Western world so as to increase the likelihood that the peoples of the Western world, the resurrecting Roman Empire, would coalesce and yield their sovereignty to a one-world government. The Russian Times comments, amid Western sanctions, Russia might stop selling and buying food from unfriendly countries. That's a word from former Russian President Medvedev, who is currently the deputy chair of the country's Security Council. The Post notes that Russia is a major grain producer on a par with India and China. When it comes to wheat, the country has been the largest exporter of wheat in the world in recent years. But Medvedev unveiled plans to sell food and crops only to our friends. In other words, not to the Western world. Not to those of the so-called New World Order. The same is true with regard to gas. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a decree according to which gas exports to unfriendly countries would be being posed, uh, that is, uh, countries who have imposed economic sanctions on Russia. Now, what happened in Russia as a result of what Vladimir Putin did? You might be surprised. 
in spite of NATO allies denouncing Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, an independent pollster in Moscow has found that Russians are rallying around the flag and giving Putin an 83% approval rating. That's up from 69% in January, which, by the way, is higher than any other Western president or prime minister by far. So the confrontation with the West has actually consolidated the people in Russia, except for the millennials, by the way. They're the ones that the news media likes to report on. Russians say everyone is against us, and Putin defends us. Now, where is this going with regard to Austria and Germany? Amid demands from Russia that Central Europe pay for the country's gasoline using rubles starting in March 31st, Germany, by the way, that was yesterday, Germany and Austria have sounded the alarm over imminent disruptions in the supply chain. Germany, which gets about half of its gas and a third of its oil from Russia, urged consumers and companies to reduce gas consumption. Neighboring Austria relies on Russia even more for gas, receiving nearly 80% of its supply from Russia. So the news in Europe was followed by Joe Biden yesterday, announcing that the United States would begin releasing 1 million barrels of oil per day from its strategic reserves to combat skyrocketing gas prices that he actually created. And now he's going to strip away the reserve. Where do you think that's going to leave America and the Western world? It's all being set up, friends. To render the people clamoring for a new global world government. Just as the prophets had foretold. The question then is, seeing that these things are going to happen, and they are, how should we then live? Are you ready? Are you walking in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? Are you sure? You might want to go before the Lord and check that out. In the meantime, get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, right there on our website, saveus.org. God bless, be a blessing, and please become a partner. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 